The Chicken Nick Podcast is brought to you by our good friend over here on our right with uh, Paul here. Over here on our right with uh, Paul here. The Beanery, serving people coffee with locations in Papillion, Ashland, and Gretna. There's no excuse to not drink all the coffee beans. And even if you don't want coffee, if you want a mocha, a cappuccino, a smoothie, a muffin, you can get it at the Beanery. It's the Beanery, the official coffee provider of the Chicken Nick Show. Looking to the end zone for the win! He caught it! Ball game! Chiefs to the championship game! Oh, dear God. I'm looking at a man. Just let me let me set the stage here. I'm looking at a man at 9.19 p.m. Central Time. So 10.19 p.m. Eastern Time, which is where this man happens to be. He is in a dimly lit room with only the computer light illuminating his face. And... Lighting up a Buffalo Bills shirt. And we have just witnessed the Buffalo Bills lose to the Kansas City Chiefs in overtime in Arrowhead Stadium. So I don't even know where to begin with you after a game like that. I uh, I obviously I didn't have a horse in the fight to quote a young man by the name of Matt Chick back in the day. So I could just kind of watch that game and enjoy it for what it was, but I couldn't imagine what it felt like to have a said horse in the fight and come out on the losing end of that one. Are you doing okay? How are you doing? I'm going to let... Here's everything that I said during the last, I don't know, three, two minutes of the game plus overtime. Here we go. In succession. Incredible. Oh, my goodness. Unbelievable. What in the world? No way. It was all there. All of it. It was all there. All of it. Look, I keep telling myself I'm not going to care. And frankly, we joked about the fact that, you know, what was it, last year, whatever the Bills were playing a game, and I was out watching a right. – I was at a musical. Yeah, right? you went to Wicked. I went to Wicked you with went the to kids Wicked. during a Bills game. Yeah. Like, things are things are different, right? I don't – I don't care as much, but then, you know, they're in the playoffs and okay. All right. Now, now, okay. Night game. All right. Now I'm invested. Kids are in bed. Okay. Now we can settle in and I'm watching this thing. And you just have flashbacks to the music city miracle in terms of how you felt. Cause you're watching this going, Oh, you won. And then, you know, 16 seconds left music city miracle. You're up by a point. You lose this one, 13 seconds left. You're up by a field goal and you lose. Um, and it's one of those things like, I'm not like, I'll be fine tomorrow and I'm fine. I'm actually fine now. I'll be okay. <laughs> but it's like, you forget what it's like to be a fan. Right. Is this the most you've gotten? You're rarely a fan. How much is this the most you've 
fanned out in a really long time. Yeah, plus in a pickup pool, I had him plus two and a half. All right. So I kind of needed it. No, I, yeah, that's probably, even versus last year in the conference championship game with Kansas City, it's like, I can't believe we made it this far. Right. Kansas City was going to win that game, and you knew that going in. But this one felt different. This one felt, okay, this is the time to get over the hump. Well, so what, I mean, I don't even know where to begin, and I mean, we don't have to, we're not a Buffalo Bills NFL podcast here, but at the end of the day, I mean, that's one of, that's on the short list of one of the most amazing football games ever. I mean, the final, uh, full disclosure, I watched bits and pieces of it in the first half, then decided to be a a dad and got the kids ready for bed and all that stuff, and then I literally, I turn it, I turn it, I know, right, I turn it on. With about two and a half minutes left, and I didn't miss it. I saw all the craziness, so I I was able to 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 watch everything that happened towards the end. I don't know, like, are you? Because in some ways you can be mad at the overtime rules. Are you mad at your defense? Are you mad at? Because I I even text a buddy at the end of the game, and I was like, "Is this?" I'm just asking the question, not to be like Debbie Downer on it, but like. Is this incredible quarterbacking, or is this atrocious defense? I'm not totally sure. Like, I think it can be both. I think both quarterbacks were on, like, an elite-level, like, zone. But I guess 13 seconds left, and you let them get into field goal range? Like, how? How does that happen? Yeah, I, I think in games like that, the quarterbacks stress the defense so much that by the end of the game, you got nothing left. Yeah. You have absolutely nothing left. In the third quarter, the Bills were down two. And they they didn't go for it on fourth and one at their own 35. And I tweeted him, like, what are, you, what are you doing? Like, you went for it when it was scoreless at midfield, fourth down first quarter. But now you're down two. You've held serve. And now you're going to punt it away? Like, what? Why would you do that? And the, the reason is because you're gassed. Like your defense, the last time down, they went down and wound up kicking a field goal, but they were your defense gave up so many yards and were on the field for so long that not going for it there, and again, they wound up getting a long touchdown, everything, so score-wise it was fine. But if they go for it there, get it, and then keep moving the ball down the field, Maybe your defense isn't as, you know, 10 fewer plays, right? right? Who the heck knows what that's like at the end? So that was kind of like game flow. Where toward the end, you're like, when it got to overtime, I even tweeted, Harrison Butker, go to the showers. They're not going to kick you. Like, you're done. You're, there, there's no way they're going to kick a field goal here. Because, for one thing, the Bills aren't stopping you. But even if they did, Mahomes is going for it because they know Josh Allen isn't going to be stopped. So, right. I- um, so, yeah, I think. It's probably a combination, but I think it's better quarterback play. And, and well, you know, I don't know if mental fatigue, you're, 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 you know, you're a former athlete. Mental fatigue where it's like, yeah, leave Kelsey down the seam. Sure. See, that sounds I've like never, I, like, the one thing to be so interesting at that that level, the NFL level, the NBA level, the, the PGA Tour major level, where all these all these guys on the field are the top 1% of the 1%. These are the best of the absolute best. But then guys like Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen are the top 1% of the top 1% of the top 1%. And I've always, I think 
as I was watching it, I'm sure what you're saying, it's fatigue a little bit. But I also wonder if there's a little bit of, like, Buffalo's taking the field, their defense, and when you are staring at Patrick Mahomes, there's a mental level of feeling defeated before it even happens. Like, it had to have happened when you were taken on, not to compare necessarily Patrick Mahomes to Michael Jordan, but, like, I think when you're dealing with those elite-level guys that are in the zone, I'd have to imagine on some level they felt like there, there couldn't have been very much – I'll put it to you this way. There could not have been very much confidence when Buffalo's defense took the field in overtime or at no any – or any and, and same for no Kansas City. Like, in the latter stages of that game, th- there probably wasn't a whole lot of confidence as they were lining up staring at Josh Allen. And you wonder – I wonder what that's like, you know, because I never got to that level of ever feeling like I looked across and saw someone like that. You know what I mean? Where you're like, oh, my God, that's the Evansville shooting guard. Oh, my (laughs) God. (laughs) He's got a purple ace up his sleeve, I'll tell you that. Let me tell you. Kind of purple aces does he have up his sleeve? This is incredible. Wait a second. These are the Drake Bulldogs. Whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Look at that. That's Jim Les. Oh, my God. This is nuts. (laughs) This is crazy. Jim Les getting mentioned on a podcast. Because let me tell you, I I guarantee Evansville didn't look at at us and go, that's Nick Baugh. Oh, my God. I am terrified of Nick Baugh. But I just wonder wonder if there was a little bit of that. Don't put him on the free throw line. Oh, boy, I tell you. Um. He may not yeah, be, I, be able to dunk right now, but he'll make two free throws. <laughs> I mean, 13 seconds left. I think you're feeling pretty confident. Like, yeah. we're so close. All we have to do is that. But once you get to overtime, it's over. Like, once you get yeah. to overtime and you lose the coin toss, it's over. The score was 26 to 21 with two minutes to go. 26 21, Chiefs are up, two minutes to go. At your final score. 42 to 36. Like, Un- unreal. Uh, last two minutes of regulation. Three lead changes, one tie. 25 points scored in the last two minutes. Allen and Mahomes combined. Last two minutes of regulation. Three passing touchdowns, 221 passing yards. And, and some of the plays they were making, too, let's be honest. Like, Mahomes is doing crazy things. But Josh Allen, like on fourth down, it do, he's Vince Young, right? He's scrambling, but he's got great passing ability. You have to respect every aspect of his game. Right. But he's In some odd way, and this is going to be a totally Homer statement, if you had to force me to pick either one, I mean, Josh Allen and his running ability to me, mm-hmm. you know, would say, I mean, Allen for the next 10 years, but the win-loss record would tell you Mahomes right now is up 2 nothing, and when it counts in the postseason – and you talk about it being a game of inches. Like, had the the Bills played a, I think it was a Monday night game against Tennessee earlier this year on the road. And I don't know if you remember, they tried to sneak it at the one-yard line to punch it in for the go-ahead score and the win as time expired. The Bills were stuffed on that play. Tennessee wins. If the Bills score and everything else during the season, the win-loss goes the same. This game is in Buffalo. Right. This game is in Buffalo. Right. Home field advantage. But you lose that game, it doesn't come down to that tiebreaker, and Kansas City hosts, 
It's crazy. And here you are. And so to your point about the overtime, I'm okay with the overtime. I it's tough because when you've got like Mahomes and 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 the Chiefs years ago, a few years ago with the game against the Patriots, Mahomes never got to touch the ball. The counter to it is, well, your defense is on the field, just stop them, like prevent a touchdown. And I get that. I do like the notion of hey, if they score a touchdown, they have to kick the PAT. If the next team scores a touchdown, they have to go for two. Mm-hmm. So you're only getting two possessions. If they don't score, you know, or kick a field goal, next score wins. All all those things still apply. That that could be good. I, I don't know because then you have to make a choice. Do we want the ball second or first? If we take it first, we can't go for two. Like right. I don't know if you want to restrict a team from being able to go for two if they get a touchdown. I don't know. I, it's all arbitrary. Yeah, all and I don't I don't necessarily. I mean, we everybody's had a lot of overtime structure conversations. And I don't know that I've ever walked away feeling totally convinced that one argument or one set of rules is the best. I don't – I guess I've, I've – I think I'm always a fan of just putting time on the clock and playing it out. Like, I, I'm not a – like, you know, even like the Elam ending in the, the – that we've seen in the tournament and the Elam ending in, in basketball where – I guess I, I always feel like the clock needs to matter. Like everything, the clock always matters. Yeah. Except in this instance or that instance, and this I, like that that's never right. set well with me. So like, I guess if it were me, I just would put ten more minutes on the clock or whatever, and just play it out. That that's how I would probably yeah. do it. But I don't. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Know. I I don't disagree with that at all. I think that'd be fine. And I and I like how. When you think about overtime rules and you think about, you know, hey, beginning in the third overtime, we're going to start going for two, like in college. We're going to have these two-point conversion offs. And then here, it's if you score a touchdown, you win. All of this is to prevent more football from being played. Yes. Seriously, you're right. That's what it is. The the safest way to play football is to play less of it. Right. Isn't that kind of funny? Like, we want to expand the college football playoff, and at the same time, we're having rules come out, hey, in the spring, only X and X contact periods. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. What I know. Doing? I know. <laughs> that is – it's because that that's, that is one element of football that is different than other – than basketball, for instance, is like right. there's a – there is a level of physicality and safety at play here of – that you do – you do need to save these players from themselves – and try to minimize as much football to decide who wins said football game, which is a weird thing. But the one thing real quick about uh, about Josh Allen's performance, because I just, you know, the fourth de- fourth and four, he scrambles and gets it. Fourth and 13, he, he throws a touchdown, you know, and then oh Mahomes gosh, answers, yeah. and then he answers again. It just, I, I think I'm trying to really rack my brain here, but I, I, I'm trying to think of what the best – individual performances in a loss in that that's gotta be up there because it's hard like you know that whole thing of like you just want to you want to leave it all out on the field and let the chips fall where they where they fall like if you're Josh Allen you got to walk off that field and you're sure you're irate but you kind of go like I mean what else could I have realistically done the only I would when I was we were setting up the only thing I could think of was what I thought was the best ba- individual basketball game I ever saw a person play was LeBron James game one of the would have been the 2017 mm-hmm. NBA Finals that that was the J.R. Smith I forgot the score yeah. where he scored yeah. 51 points on Durant Clay and Steph and he lost 
And it's like you just sometimes you can do sometimes you can play the perfect game and be an elite player and still still lose. And that's what kind of happened with with Josh Allen. But man, man, what a great game. <laughs> yeah, Josh Allen was Bob May trading birdies with Tiger at the 2000 PGA Championship. That's exactly and what then Tiger. Yeah, I'm Tiger. I'm Patrick. Okay, it's over. whatever. Oh, That's sorry. about as good as I could play, but, but can't do it. Uh, but the the whole, you know, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, like you think about these young quarterbacks, those two guys to me feels like Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning for the next 10 years. Yeah. And the league teams and leagues are only as good as your quarterback play. And if that's the case, I mean, my goodness, are we going to be a spoiled bunch of uh, NFL fans? And you know what else we learned over the weekend is – just how important special teams are and how much they are magnified in big games and in the closing moments. Mm-hmm. McPherson, cold-blooded with the Bengals, puts them over to the top. Robbie Gould, all he does is make postseason playoff kicks. He's never missed a playoff kick in his career. And then you saw you know, Matt Gay yeah. kick his field goal, and the Rams win their game. Uh, but there were some special teams blunders, too, that we saw as well. And then at the end of this one, you know, can't, the Bills and Chiefs and coming down to the to the end of it. But it's everything kind of, you know, when you're a, you're a fan of sports, like, okay, how does this go with Nebraska? We talk about Nebraska. I mean, the margin for error of these elite teams is slim. These are elite. These are the final eight, final four teams, and the margin for error is so slim yeah. that it comes down to a kick in three of the four of them. And then you, you know, you go to Nebraska and you go, <laughs> yeah. I mean, how much more important are these kicks and how are these specialists that Scott Frost is trying to find? No, you're right. I mean, cause it's funny you say that as I was watching these games over the course of the weekend, I, I even though we, we talk Nebraska football every week, I still think there's that radio 16. There's still that 16, 20 of the zone radio host inside of both of us where we're always kind of, at least for me, I'm always viewing things through a Nebraska football lens. And how can I relate this to Nebraska football? And you literally took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, I think if you're Scott Frost and you're Bill Bush, like I think in your first meeting with your team, you could say, guys, look, did you watch these games this weekend? Show the clips, show the clips, show the clip and say, this stuff is the difference between winning and losing in the NFL, it's dang sure the difference between winning and losing in the Big Ten. And I, so I think for me, like one of my t- – so that was one of my takes of like viewing it through Nebraska football lens of like, man, special teams, you can poo-poo it, you can dismiss it, but it oftentimes is the difference maker in big spots, big games, and over the course of a season. And then the other thing is – and this isn't to say that the better quarterback won every game, but I also think you're always reminded when you watch NFL playoff games just at, like, if you don't get the quarterback right, you it ain't going to work. Like Outside of Jimmy Garoppolo. Outside of Jimmy G. That's what, I mean, he's probably the one <laughs> right. that, that is – because even right. Staff, it ain't like Stafford is a stiff. You know what I mean? Like, right. Stafford right. can play, you know, and – but it, but it goes to show you even, you know, there, there's been the, the little, uh, there, there was the, the note floated out there about Zach Taylor that if I'm not mistaken, I thought it said he was 6-25 and 25 in his first two years as the Bengals coach. Right. And then here comes Joe Burrow. 
They were two and fourteen two years ago. And and so, and so, all of a sudden, everything's different. Everything is different. Is Zach Taylor any better or worse of a coach? Probably not. But he got the right quarterback. And to relate it back to Frost, and I, I think if you look at any any quote unquote failed football tenure is college or pro I guarantee you more often than not the number one common denominator that bonds every single failed football coach is they never got the quarterback right and that that's the other thing about this situation with Scott Frost as he enters into a hot seat season of like the importance of Chubba Purdy and Casey Thompson and making sure that one of those two guys is his quote-unquote Joe Burrow to put him over the top. Not saying they got to be all world, but they got to be good enough to get them over the hump in these big spots, which for as much as I was an Adrian defender and as talented as he was, he wasn't good enough to get them over the top in the big spots. Even an Aaron Rodgers who just cannot perform in some of the – yeah, he's got the Super Bowl, but in these – moments he just continues to you know six straight possessions without without scoring like how how does that happen with Aaron Rodgers I don't care what the weather is you're Aaron Rodgers I know right and somehow it just happens and yeah I mean for the for the Bills after Jim Kelly in 96 it went Todd Collins Doug Flutie Rob Johnson Alex Van Pelt Drew Bledsoe J.P. Lossman Trent Edwards Ryan Fitzpatrick E.J. Manuel Kyle Orton Tyrod Taylor Josh Allen like that's twenty more than twenty years of wandering through the wilderness of quarterbacks. Yep. And your best one of all of those was probably Doug Flutie. <laughs> back in ninety eight, ninety nine, who you decided to bench and the music city miracle happens in that game. So yeah, I mean, and you know, obviously Drew Bledsoe was good and had a had a couple of good years there too. But so yeah, it's it's finding that guy, figuring out who that guy is. And just the importance uh, the Huskers, of what that guy does, because it's even yeah. you know, it, think about that. It's hard to quantify what Tom Brady's presence does. It like in that Rams game, just him being right. there. Right. What right. that does for the morale, the belief that That's no matter what point. the score is, we are in it. That's and, a great point. And so yeah. I think there's also something to that. So it's all football. That's why football is just an amazing sport, is because there's so many people involved. And then within that, there's one guy that is just so important in tangibly and intangibly. All we got to do is give our guy the ball. We got a chance. Yes. So let's get him the ball back. If you don't have that guy, how does that impact the fortitude, the the mental toughness of continuing to try and make stops when you know, you look up at the score, you're like, what's the point? Right. Right. I mean, what, what's that, the point? That's, that's right. When you when you don't have Brady, let's say they have uh, Jameis Winston in there instead, or something like that. Right, I just right. I, I think on some subconscious level, you lose hope, and when you lose a little hope, it, th- there's a domino effect in there. Yeah. And you know, I mean, not to say that Sue strips gets the strip and Levante David recovers it because they have Tom Brady, but like. On, on some level, I think, like, Brady's presence being there impacted no the psyche of that entire team. Yeah, which makes what Nebraska's defense did all the more impressive. No, and we're going to give it to Adrian, and who the heck knows? We right. still aren't winning, but I don't know. Right, <laughs> you know, right. I know that they continue to, to fight and fight and fight. Right. Quick time out here from the Chicken Nick Show podcast to tell you about our friends and our friend at 
the Beanery. The Beanery has three locations. Ashland, Gretna, home of the uh, state football uh, champions. Uh, and our yeah, that's a great question. And Papillion. Uh, if you want to go to the Beanery, let me tell you what they have. Um, and I just want some reaction here. They have cappuccinos. Oh, my goodness. They have a flavored syrup latte. Unbelievable. Yep. They have uh, something called the Beanery Mocha. What in the world? No, it's good. It's good. There's no reason to be upset about that. Uh, they have the uh, brewed coffee with a shot of espresso. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's not really <laughs> But you know what? If your name is Jacob and you go to the Beanery, no matter what you order, Jacob wins! Jacob does win, and you can win with all kinds of drinks. And speaking of that, I want to give a shout-out to my cup of Joe for giving me all the beans. I want to thank my Uncle Joe for teaching me all the sports. (laughs) Man, they got food, though. Breakfast sandwiches, muffins up in that thing. We'll boat boat oatmeal up in that thing. That boy will boat up in that thing. (laughs) Bagels, cookies, various kinds of smoothies. I mean, whether or not you want to get your coffee game right or anything else, the beanery's got you covered. Oh, they got everything you need. Again, get the chicken nick drink. It's a butter pecan, uh, caramel latte you can get it hot or iced. And uh, on the way out, Bo, how do you like it? I don't mind it being a latte, but it's got to be hot. Thank you for your contributions. It's the beanery serving people coffee. Uh, what did you think? You know, Zach Taylor's a good coach. He was a good quarterback, too. He was. Uh, he was. At, at Nebraska. Uh, it was late in the season against Connecticut. I got in the game. They called my number. What can I say? I came through in the clutch. But, Zach, when you came into that game, Wake was down 51-17 to 17 hey, in the hey, fourth. Hey, that's besides the point. <laughs> hey, I watched so, it. Well done. That was from two, 2005. You hadn't seen it until we posted it. And thanks to Joshua Gear from KETV for putting that on. What were your just? Get, I'm interested in your impressions of of a story you didn't see in 05, and here we are, 17 years later, right? And you see the story with myself and Zach Taylor, which uh, you can find on, on Twitter on on YouTube. Well, first of all, it's it's a really funny story. It was really well done, and. As I'm watching it, for the first time ever, I felt like I had something in common with Zach Taylor because I was at the epicenter of a silly little four-minute bit that Matt Chick had to play on KETV. But I guess one of my main takeaways, I mean, Zach was great. He actually had a really good dry like humor about the whole thing. But one of the things that's amazing about you, because... Somehow you have a way of convincing athletes who are more self-conscious than you think and want to and want to maintain that level of confidence and the, and and always want to put themselves in the best light to you convinced Zach Taylor, you convinced me to like hey, let your guard down, make fun of yourself and it'll it'll work out. That's not the easiest thing to do. Because you did that with me as like the ultimate Creighton bench warmer that that make you know because I it was my transfer year and and 
uh, you know, when I, you were, yeah, we, the whole punchline was you were the most important player because when you didn't play, they were really good, which was like 12 and three or whatever right. the record was. But when you did play, they were 500, 500 zero, zero, and zero, and zero, which is hilarious. And then you, you convinced me I'm like tying Anthony Tolliver's shoe. I am getting water for Dominic Bishop. You know, you convinced me to do all the things that at like athletes don't do, you know, like if you're a real baller, you don't do that, man. You know, like, and, and Zach Taylor could have been that guy. I've been like, man, I'm, 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 people just don't know yet. I'm the man, I'm the quarterback. I'm going to be the guy. I don't, I don't make fun of myself. I go, you know, shred people right. on the field. And so alphas, I, right. And, and so I guess this maybe isn't what you're looking for. You're looking for more funny things within the story, but I guess no, no. I took it away from being like, you have a way of getting people to make fun of themselves, which is not an easy thing to do for anybody, let alone athletes when they're at a stage in their life. Like Zach had not become Zach Taylor yet. He hadn't become the starting quarterback yet. And the, he hadn't taken a snap when we did this story. And hadn't I, taken a snap. I hadn't played a real, I hadn't, I hadn't taken a shot for Creighton yet. Like up until that point, I had done nothing in my college career. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I was, had done zero, not to say that I did anything special after this story necessarily, but like <laughs> I made a shot or two, like, but I, I guess, you know, like those are, those are, are cro- I was looking at Zach. I'm like, man, this is a, think about, Think about this crossroads moment in his life as he's now arriving in Nebraska and where this journey was going to lead him on, and now we know where he's at with the Bengals and what happened at Nebraska, and he was willing in the moment to make fun of himself and not take himself too serious. And I think you you have, and I don't know what it is necessarily because it convinced me back in the day, but like you have a way about you of, of letting people – Hey, it's okay to be goofy. Hey, it's okay to not take yourself serious. Hey, it's okay to laugh at yourself. Tr- just just trust me. Zach trusted you. I trusted you. And I thought the story was great. That's actually a pretty interesting insight because I hadn't really thought about that. Um, I do, in this vein about it, I do think that if I was doing those, let's say I'm that age, but I'm doing it today, I think athletes would be much more hesitant to do any of this stuff. Because social media has changed the game where the brand of the athlete is so much more important that they're not going to risk it by putting it in the hands of like a local sportscaster, let alone anyone in the media, to have fun with them and self-deprecating. Back in that day, we had the internet. We posted stuff like this on, on KETV.com, but YouTube wasn't really a thing. Twitter was not even around yet. Facebook was only for school, right? right. So for .edu's. And so... There wasn't any of that. And if you didn't catch it on TV, you didn't see it. That's, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. It was still that. And so I, I remember going to – You remember, remember? I remember going to – and I'm trying to think about how the story came about. I don't know if it was Keith Mann who kind of related to him or whatever, but I had the script in hand, and I and everything that you see there is just, you know, three or four pages on a word doc that I printed out for me and him. And he's, he's looking it over. I can't remember if I talked to him earlier that day and said, Hey, do you want to do this? Or if Keith Mann related to him and cause it takes someone to sell somebody on it. Yes. And Keith trusted me, got to a point where I just said, Hey, I want to do some of these things. And once you do one then he helps, like, okay, now now right. we see this. Like, I remember Bill Callahan, the, the word was Callahan saw the story, or, 
and he was surprised and liked it. And that was kind of like the green light. I don't know if Bill Callahan had to sign off on that story with, with Zach Taylor, but I do remember like once we got a lot of green lights, like we took Lane Kelly, who's the long snapper now married to uh, Danny Busboom Kelly, head coach at Louisville volleyball. She was a volleyball player at the time at Nebraska. And we took him, uh, we did a story on Lane Kelly about how long snapping is not just his job, but it's a lifestyle. We took him to the local supermarket up the street, and we had him snapping loaves of bread, heads of lettuce, threw his legs into the shopping cart. And here he is in his full Nebraska regalia. Right. And just saying, okay, I'll I'll do this because he had seen something else. We did another story with Zach Potter, Terrence Nunn, Marlon Lucky, a couple others that uh, the new Jumbotron, the new Jumbo board had been built, which in that Zach Taylor story, it was being constructed. You could see that, yep. right? Like you're just stepping, it's like back to the future with the neighborhood that hadn't been built. And the story that we did with them was, hey, we want to do a story on you guys watch on the Jumbotron. You play video games and watch movies. So we superimposed Mario Kart. I, I, I burned stuff to a DVD, had someone go up and just play it video. You couldn't hear it. And then we dubbed in the audio afterwards. And so you had the guys watching Titanic, uh, getting emotional, like Terrence Nunn getting teary-eyed. And you're convincing these guys to do these things where as they're doing it, I'm thinking to myself, like Marlon Lucky and Zach Potter are playing Mario Kart, like on N64 or whatever, talking trash. And as they're doing it, I'm thinking, I can't believe they're doing this. Right. Right. I can't believe we're getting this. Like the Carl Polini, Bo Polini story that's online with Carl Fence. Um that was a story that when I said to Keith, who on the coaching staff can we get on the phone? He goes, you know who'd be good? Carl. I said, okay, now that I've got the guy, let's work on the story. So we, I wrote out the script and did that. Is Carl free? Keith Mann says, he's all in on this. Let's do it. We get there. We get to the – someone was asking on Twitter, how did that story come about and how did, the end, how did Bo get involved? The story behind Carl Fence, that story online, is – we get there, we do the story, we did not have an ending to the story. I did not know how that story was going to end. And we had just gotten word that Tom Osborne had left the building, it was during a bye week, had left the building like two minutes prior. I'm like, oh, he would have been great. He's not there. So we're doing this, we're going about it, and then Carl says, you know, maybe Bo could do it. I'm like, is he here? He's like, yeah, two, two offices yeah, down, yeah. Bo Pelini is in the building. And I'm like, great. So... I said, why don't you give him the Got Carl shirt, and he'll just come in and whatever. And Car- so Carl, <laughs> Carl leaves the the office, goes down two offices down. I had not seen Bo, hadn't heard Bo, but the first I hear of Bo is Bo laughing really hard when Carl explains it to him and gives him the shirt. Right. So then, we come back. We're sitting in the office. I still have not seen Bo. Carl sits down at his desk. And then I'm like, all right, Bo, do you know, Coach, you know what you're going to do? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I got it. I got it. Let's go. You know, he's like, let's go. Let's do this. So the first time Bo walks in with the Got Carl shirt on, Carl and I look at him, and it's the first time I've seen him. Oh, my God. And I turn around, and Carl and I, I just start laughing. So I'm like, okay. And Bo's like, what? And I go, we got to do it one more time. Now I'm ready. Now we're ready. Now we're ready. And then he comes in again, does the story. We're like, we got to get this. We hold the face. And so that's the story behind Bo's involvement is Carl got him to do it. I didn't even know he'd be in the building. Wow. Sometimes you just get lucky. Right. So just to give the backstory of like some of these yeah. things that I used to do at Channel 7, which was really fun to do, to kind of sum it all up, I don't know why, uh, like the West Coast defense story that Bo Rude was involved yeah. with, I got to find that. I, I don't know why they decided, but maybe 
once one does it, then they've seen it somehow. Someone passes a copy around, and then you earn a little credibility. But it's like anything. Like, hey, we're not going to hire you until you get experience. Well, how am I going to experience if you don't hire me, right? right? So you just you, you earn credibility. They start to get used to you, and then you get lucky. And, I, and that's really what that was. But yeah. it's interesting you say that because, bottom line, I don't think today, if I started doing those today, that you would get a ton of yeses because people are and athletes are so careful about their brand. Isn't that it? I I hadn't thought about that element of it of like trying to do that today. And I, I'm with you. Like I don't think if you tried to go like Chubba like Purdy, like if you tried to go do that or with, or with someone like if you tried to do some similar story about Chubba Purdy and like his right. one, right. you know, like he's got a similar limited sample size, not quite as one-for-one one limited, and try to pitch to him, I don't think he would do it. And it's not to say Zach's, you know, Chubba's got a huge ego and Zach doesn't or something like that. But you're right. Like, I think the, the, the explosion of social media and the more people are self-aware and the more people can also put themselves out there. Like, I think that's the other thing. Like, I, I still taught those guys, those West Coast defense, like, Corey McEwen, Bo Rood, all those guys, like they still Stuart Bradley. are yeah. Stuart Bradley. Like those guys loved that because you know what they probably never had an opportunity to do was like put themselves out there doing anything because you you couldn't really record yourself and show the world. Now you can record yourself and show the world everything you That's do. True. So That's there's true. also a little like so people are so protective of their brand now, and back in the day they also were so wanted to get some of their brand out there and now so- they're now they are the author of the brand and they can disseminate it because they're their re- their own reporter yes. back then they needed the media much more so like oh we're gonna do something fun okay yeah i'm kind of interested this is different because there are only a handful of people that were doing stories right right, right. no but and then well the, so yeah you have a way of you got people to get over themselves and laugh at themselves which is not an easy thing to do but i think the, at the epicenter of that, like you're funny, like you you are very well. You do a great, you have a great mind for scripted comedy. Like you know how to conjure up an idea and make it funny. Like when you pitched the idea to me, I immediately thought it was funny. I was like, yeah, that's funny. I'll do it. I bet Zach thought, yeah, that's funny. I'll do it. West Coast defense, Stu and Bo and those guys, they thought, that's funny, I'll do it. There's a reason why Carl went down, explained it to Bo. You heard Bo laugh. So there's also like, if so- funny is funny. Regardless, and funny's timeless. Right. So we say they wouldn't do it. I still don't think they would do it now. But if something's right. funny, right. people want to be a part of something funny. Yeah, that's interesting too. That's I remember doing one with Sam Keller. I was like, "Oh, let's do a story." And the story on Sam Keller that we did when he was the quarterback was people kept wondering what was why he wore that sleeve. Yeah. He had that white sleeve. So I did a story. Well, let's just do a story on the fact that he keeps a lot of things up his sleeve. And with creative editing. We had him, like, he was getting stuff out of his sleeve, and then the camera shot goes to the floor in Memorial Stadium, and he's dropping keys, his wallet, uh, a razor, a toothbrush. Like, it's just stuff he's clearing out. And then the punchline at the end is a girl walks up to him, and he pulls out a magician flowers like, <laughs> to her. And that's, like, the last thing. He was like, this is so stupid. And during it, I could even kind of tell. He's like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm doing this. This is so but he was laughing as well. Right. Like, he was like, it wasn't so dumb that he didn't want to do it, but he recognized the stupidity of the story. But the, the odd thing about it is these stories 
you learned nothing about the person. No. Except their personality. Right. And, and those kind of stories where it's like, hey, you know, what's your goal for this season? Who cares? Right. Right. But can you be funny? Can you read a scripted line and act? Right. Because that could be funny. Like, Kenny Maine was a huge inspiration for me. Like, without Kenny Maine, I'm probably not doing any of these stories. But to be able to do that on a local level was special. And I've always said Tom Chattel saw that story that I did with Zach Taylor. <laughs> and I'd been on the job at, in Omaha maybe three weeks, four weeks. And he wrote a story. On that story, it was a column that came out on a Friday night or Friday yeah. before game day. And it was about the story. And it was about, you know, move over, whatever. Zach, you've got a new comedian in town. He was talking about Zach Taylor, actually, right. about just how good he was and, and how funny he was in the story. But it helped put me on the, on the kind of local map there. And so it, that day and age, you needed things like that to kind of help. And you Agreed. hope people I saw it. Because, yeah. again, if you didn't see it, you missed it. You missed yeah. it. You missed, you missed it. It, it. But no, you're right. And but I also think, uh, on top of all this stuff, like that people people are drawn towards people that don't take themselves too serious and can laugh at themselves. You know, like right. I think on any right. level right. that is true. Right. But uh, as we're kind of talking about this, like a lot of what you did were longer versions of a this is Sports Center sort of thing. You know, the Sports Center commercials. Right. And what's interesting, and for, forgive me for not knowing, but I feel like Sports Center is, is Sports Center used to be a bigger deal back in the day, and Sports Center is not as big of a deal now as it as it once was. But like, are there are are they still doing new? This is Sports Center commercials with the new age athlete. Not as many, but to your point, like those commercials are what a lot of those athletes got known for right you know it's like oh you're in that one sports center commercial right, right? i remember you from that yeah that's good so point. i guess so i so to you know to, to have a real life example of like i don't know if athletes would do that in 2022 like i don't know does ja morant want to do a this is sports center commercial or would he rather just have his right. own production company do something right. if they want to put some content out around him you know what i mean it's like true. that's true i don't know and so, and the just, tough thing about college athletes too is they're new all the time. So you have to like you keep having to sell yourself to them. Hey, I've done this with who? Like right. I'm I'm new here, right? Right. So that's a that's a big difference. I remember doing a story on someone, a uh, Creighton women's basketball player who played at West Point Central Catholic, and they had won a hundred games while she was there, never lost. And when they lost at Creighton, it was like her first loss she'd ever experienced. And we did a story on how life just isn't fair. Um, <laughs> Because, and she looked deadpan at me, and it was a story about how it's just, it's just tough, and things just haven't gone her way, right? And and she she got it, right? right. She, I can't remember her name. I have to find. But anyway, as time goes on, maybe we'll try and dig. No, up, that's uh, interesting though. It's, it's, it's I, it was glad. a great story, but my that was my prevailing thought was like, and maybe it's just because you got me to do a similar story like that. But I was just like, man, it's just, and it's amazing to think about like his stature now. Like you're watching right. him and you're like, dang, this is the Cincinnati Bengals coach right. who is in a conference right. championship game now. They went on to be the Big Twelve Offensive Player of the Year, and look at him willing to make fun of himself. Well done. Like you go back to that point, you say, seventeen years from now, you're gonna be coaching in an AFC championship game. 
and I'm going to be hosting a Chick and Nick podcast. <laughs> Who's winning here, huh? <laughs> and we're talking Who's about winning? Check and mate. Check yes. and mate. Zach Taylor. All right. It. A couple of things uh, before we get out here. It is uh, it is late. Uh, kids are going to school tomorrow, so I got to. My wife is saying, please uh, wrap up. So yes, I am yes, going to yes. wrap up here. And just My office is my bedroom. Uh, we'll get a lot of work down there if you don't. So anyway, this was, sorry, honey. Uh, this is the, this was a, a tweet from Mike. Mike tweets this at the Chicken Nick Show. He says, my son does this whenever he hears someone say, remember. Here is the audio. And I think it's the wife. Sitting there, you can see her in this video, just saying the word remember, and here's the kid. Do you remember? Do you remember? <laughs> just every so, got a little mini mini Kent mini Kent Walgamont. It's great. Oh, we are we are poisoning the minds of, of young individuals. That so is, great. That is not that's not good right there. <laughs> I got this uh Got this email from Adam. He says, hey, guys, whenever I take my three-year-old to daycare, she always wants to hear Let It Go or some other song from Frozen. All of a sudden last week, she asked to listen to the Schick and Nick song. I was so proud of her. Fast forward to later that day, I ended up having to take my wife to the emergency room. The podcast was still on in the car, and she said, quote, if I don't pass out from the pain, I'm going to pass out from that guy's laugh. (laughs) (laughs) He goes, I'm happy to report my wife is fine, and you have a listener in one of the two females in the house, the one being three years old, but we all knew that was the targeted demographic. 1,000%. 1,000%. <laughs> uh, uh, Ira does uh, send an email that we did uh, name what are you wearing right now. That was two times. It was two separate episodes. I'm sorry. Sorry about that. We have done that twice. What are you wearing right now? That, that is too mistake. bad. I knew. I think I could. I, I, I could it. feel it in I my it. in my somewhere deep in my brain. I'm like, I think we've done this before it was in our loins. I know. It's like, how did we not? How do we not have done that? So we just kept it. It's uh, what are you wearing right now? Part two. Do you and have, uh, finally? Do you have the picture of me and the and the the individuals at the Creighton game? Oh yeah yeah yeah. Uh, who was that? That was uh, a, a, a that was that uh, huge call. Greg and his son. No, who was that? Yes. That was. No, it, it was uh, yeah. You you met a fan, two I'm fans. After I'm calling Creighton St. John's, these two individuals are waiting for me, and me and my little, little the little guy we exchanged Greg Sharp touchdowns <laughs> to each other, and huge call, Greg. Huge call, Greg. This little dude, I am so mad that I cannot remember this little guy's name. It drive me nuts. Yeah, I see the picture, but it doesn't have the name. Yes, it's Michael, uh, Michael Bachman. Hashtag huge call, Greg. Touchdown, touchdown. Monday's listeners, enjoy your bye. And then I see the, the kid there's got a uh, College World Series hat on. He's a big That's fan great. of the pod. That's he, great. He did a really good Greg Sharp and a really good huge call, Greg. And I was, I'm, a big fan of, uh, I'm a big fan of him. Period. That is great. Yes. That is great. I got this from uh, Mustache Adam. Uh, he tweets in. Again, that's just his handle. <laughs> that's his name on Twitter. But he says this. He goes, the youth are in good hands. And it's obviously a video of his son. And this is the It's His son is just standing there in front of his own bed. And here's the exchange. What's going on, Bubba? What's going on, Bubba? What's going on, Chubba? What's going on, Chubba? <laughs> <laughs> 
What's going on, Bubba? I don't know what we're doing to people, but I'm, I'm here for it. I, and I like it. I love it. I love that I like it's it a been, lot. I just, there's nothing more hilarious than the fact that this show somehow resonates with children. No doubt. Just I mean, the, the, dem- the demographics are young, but that just means they're going to get older, and we're, we're going to be 80 years old, and our target, we're going to hit our target demo when we're 80. Right. That, people like, you like that 25, 54, 18 to 54, like 18, 45 demo? We'll hit it when we are really old, and then we'll be making the big bucks. Last one before we get out. This is from Ian. Uh, he is with uh, 1110 KFAB. Okay? Mm. He's another media uh, broadcaster. Okay? And I hope I'm not you know, outing him here, but Ian, you wrote it, so I'm reading it. Okay? So he says, gentlemen, big fan of the show. Thanks for helping all of us endure COVID. I'm the afternoon guy on News Radio 1110 KFAB mm-hmm. and wanted to send some love your way. This was my tease going into a break on Friday's show. I hope this passes your test. Thanks, Ian M. Swanson. Here is what it was. It's good. Coming up next on the show, let's get back to the other big sports story of the day. And no, I'm not talking about the fact that Coach McDermott is out for uh, over on our right with uh, DePaul here. He's out with COVID. But I want to talk about the NSAA voting that Gretna needs to vacate their 2021 Class A football championship. We go there next. Uh, it's great. I mean, it's great. I mean, that's a 10 obviously, out of 10. Obviously, out of all of the T's, the big story that everyone's talking about is Creighton's win over DePaul. That's it. Right? The Gretna story is like, whatever. No one's ah, talking about that. Not a big deal. Yeah, no one we'll talk about that, that some other time. Yes. Let's focus on the meat of that tease, which was. About the fact that Coach McDermott is out for uh, over on our right with uh, DePaul here. <laughs> he really, he didn't allow for referencing the show to totally derail. Like, he kept the tease going and then teased the Gretna thing. Like, that's hard to that's do. Right. That's right. He, he kept it going. So, uh, nice job. Nice job there, and uh, that's it. Uh, it's a late night. You you uh, need to go to bed. You are in your bedroom, and you shut off the light, and you need to go to bed, all right? I've got to dry my, dry my tears. Yeah. Apologize to my wife. Sorry. And, um, sorry about your bills, Doug. Sorry. Tyler uh, McKinney, hey. does he have any thoughts on uh, Patrick Mahomes and uh, overtime? You know what? Tyler, why don't you speak for the rest of uh, Bill's Mafia? We're out. I'm not happy about that. Shit, yeah, Nick. Production.